So welcome, everybody, to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, and I'm not joined here by my co-host, Jeff Ferris, who is out today. But we are very excited about the author I got coming up talking today. It is author Peter Steiner, and he will be talking about his book, The Good Cop, which is his first book now in a new series starring Willie Geismeyer. Uh, and this book is fantastic. It's going to take you back to a time uh, right after World War One in Germany, right before uh, everything starts kicking up here into the World War II area. And so I want to remind you, of course, that all of our shows are brought to you by Kensington Books, so make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. But without any further ado, let's bring Peter on the show. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, John. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So let's just jump into it. Like I said, The Good Cop, um, a book that I love to read because, again, it's a book where your character actually has to kind of be a character. It can't, you know, not everything is by coincidence. Not everything is technology-driven. You know, you've kind of set this right after World War I in Germany, and there ain't no cell phones. So you got to, you know, you got to kind of bring that whole world kind of back into more of a modern, you know, feel. So tell us what you got going on in this first book, The, the Good Cop. Well, this is a time in Germany that was really fascinating. There was uh, a lot of great theater, great art, and a lot of turmoil at the after the end of the First World War and before the Nazis got cranked up. So everything was sort of in flux. And I wanted to, and I used to be a German scholar. I taught German literature for a long time before I started writing. And this time and this period has always been attractive and interesting to me, so I wanted to set something in that time. And and the uh, rise of uh, fascism has always been of interest to me too. How that happens, how does it come about, and and why does it come about? So I decided to set a kind of I I'm hesitant to call it a thriller because it's a little different than thrillers usually are. As you say, there's no technology. There are no, there are no car chases. There is one explosion. But other than that, it's not the conventional sort of thriller format, at least as I understand right. it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a suspense-driven kind of uh, novel, but it's very much character-driven into that. Was that kind of your thought process when you, when you kind of undertook this uh, you know, this new path with this new series. Yeah, that was. I mean, I'm really interested in characters. And, uh, of course, the, whatever the mystery or pursuit is, it kind of drives the, the narrative. But the, I, I'm interested in developing these various characters and have them deal with uh, complicated issues. So, um, yeah, that, was, that drew, drove the Lewis Morgan series, too, I think, or did it, at least in my mind. And, you know, what was the thought process of making, you know, The Good Cop kind of its own, you know, series? What what was it that, that, that drove you away from Lewis Morgan? Was it, you know, Willie? Was it the character in your head? Was it the story you wanted to tell? How how did The Good Cop kind of get out of the Lewis Morgan uh, series and, and come this way? Well, it had to do with wanting to write in this time period. I mean, the idea of uh, how does an ordinary citizen – even a policeman is in many ways an ordinary citizen. And how does an ordinary citizen, how do we deal with uh, the rise of fascism? What does it do to us and how do we, uh, how do we manage it? 
And uh, the Munich uh, Police Department at that time, and this is historically true, was was sort of dominated by fascist uh, ideology and uh, at, and people who were uh, disciples of Hitler. Uh, as soon as he came on the scene, and Munich was sort of Hitler's center. So the good cop, uh, this good cop, is somebody who is not a fascist and who sees it as his his obligation and his desire, too, to oppose fascism as it's on the rise. And that's a tricky thing if you're a cop and the rest of the department is not going the way you're going. So that that was where the tension and the suspense came into it for me. Mm-hmm. And it, and you look down at the calendar and you're like, oh, my God, this is set 100 years ago already. Yeah. Like, it's tough to imagine that, you know, World War One ended a hundred years ago now. The war that was supposedly going to end all wars. Um, yeah, that didn't work years out, ago. did it? <laughs> <laughs> not, not even close. But, you know, the one thing, when you kind of read the back of the book, because I always like to read the back of the book, get a little idea of a synopsis of what's going on. And the one thing that stuck out to me, one of the lines was, when it says that Willie continues to ask questions, but when his pursuit of the truth itself becomes a crime his career and his life are in grave danger that is a serious like great line to kind of understand what you've kind of put on this poor guy (laughs) yeah yeah well it was what was put on everybody and and you had to make a choice were you going to go along which was to do some reprehensible things that were that became legal like uh, like the discrimination against the Jews, or were you going to resist that? And if you resisted it, which simply meant being a decent human being, uh, there might be a heavy price to pay. That's interesting to me. Yeah, especially when you're talking about a time that people, you know, no one uh, was alive to really, no one alive now to, you know, really know that world and to, you know, lived in that world how much of a challenge was that for you to kind of have to go back and, you know, create uh, that kind of world for someone in today, 2020, for 1920? Yeah. Well, it was an act of imagination, I mean, in large part. But uh, there's a kind of, um, there's a sort of rise of nationalism and in some cases fascism in this world and in this country now that's going on. So, um it wasn't too hard to imagine how this could all go awry. And, um, but it was, you know, as you say, it was an act of imagination to set myself back in that time. And, um, but it's, that's what uh, fiction writing is all about. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I knew something about the era, as I say, having been a German professor and having studied literature and art from that era. So it it was uh, it was an interesting enterprise in that way. Were you surprised, kind of, at the end of the book, kind of how it turned out? Did it turn out how you thought it was going to be, or were there surprises along the way that Willie kind of uh, kind of did for you, or maybe some of those secondary characters that you didn't really think were would kind of you know be as predominant as they were when you started out? It's that that did happen. That always happens in my books. I set out sort of knowing the direction I want it to go, but very often the character decides it's going to go in another direction. And that's one of the 
real pleasures of writing to sort of turn the story over to the characters and see how they see how they how they develop and where they take things so there were characters that i i sort of i would it didn't have much of an outline to begin with except for the very beginning and uh you know as i invented characters as i needed them sort of and some of them turned out to be full of surprises <laughs> and that was as is i there, say that was a lot of fun is there one in particular that you can kind of point out that you say that that fits that bill well, Billy himself, Billy Geismeyer, didn't exist at the beginning of the book, and I thought the book was going to be about Maximilian, the, the artist. Uh, I'm a I'm a cartoonist, and I've worked for newspapers, and I had a lot of experience in that business. And I, Maximilian is a, he's a terrific character, but somehow he uh, he kind of by the maybe it was the politics or the uh, the, the difficulty he had coming when he comes back from the war, uh, maybe for, for some reason or another, um, Billy comes on the scene. I mean, there's a crime, of course, um, that, that causes him to come on the scene. There would be policemen, naturally. But it's not, it's not evident that they would become the main character, and yet he did. So that yeah, was that, a big uh, surprise. Kind of, <laughs> I said it's like a happy accident, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Exactly. I think a great part of writing any kind of literature is the the happy accidents that you you sort of pay attention to, see what they're suggesting, and then go in a new direction. That's that's really fun. Now, for fans that, you know, read your Lewis Morgan books and, you know, you had had five of those in, in the series, are they going to notice something a little different when they pick up the good cop, I mean, did, are they going to notice a little different Peter Steiner? Did you do something a little different in these books, in this book, than you did in the previous ones? Um, that's a good question. You know, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, shifting from the French culture, that, which those Lewis Morgan books are, take place in France, and most of them are contemporary, except there's, there's one that took place during the Second World War. Um, and shifting from there to, to German culture, um, there may be some differences, but they're not, there's nothing that I can, that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm guessing a reader could tell that better than I can. But of so course, you, I, you know, it's, it's also my sixth book and those were my first right. five. So one hopes there are some changes for the better. <laughs> so is this kind of the world that you are going to want to, uh, stay in are you going to you know kind of stay back in in this time for for quite some time in your writing in the future no well no i think it'll it'll advance i think the next next book will advance well into the hitler era and you know this book i don't want to give anything away but there are some some things left hanging and um so there'll be some kind of a i guess it could be called a sequel although i don't know if it'll turn out that way I'm I'm just Mm -hmm. starting sort of thinking about it and making a few notes about it and doing a little research about it. No, you mentioned, of course... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was... Oh, no, I mean, yeah, well, I was saying, you know, of course, you mentioned that, you know, you you did cartoons for for years. I mean, that's kind of, 
you know, where where you kind of started out, I mean, in the New Yorker, and you did, you know, many other uh, magazines all across, all over the place. How does one transition from that into thrillers? <laughs> That's a good question. I, um, <laughs> I mean, I could I be just... like a journalist or a cop, but this is a little different. <laughs> yeah, it is different. It's a lot different. Um, well, the, the the thing that is not different, though, is a, it's an it's an sort of sustained act of imagination, which cartooning is and was also. I mean, you're dreaming stuff up in your head that may or may not have anything to do with reality. So I'm I'm used to doing that. I'm used to, and each cartoon, in a way, it tells a little story of its own. So I'm used to thinking in terms of stories. And the, the German connection came from my earlier career as a teacher. Um, and I mean, the, the writing connection came from there, too, because I was teaching literature. I was, you know, reading books, reading Thomas Mann and other, other German writers and talking to students about how the books were constructed and uh, how the stories evolved and what, what their literary devices were. So I, I kind of had, it wasn't my own toolkit. It was a toolkit I stole from a lot of other better writers, but uh, I had the writer's toolkit at hand. So that, mm-hmm. that also prompted me to do it. And I've always, I've always liked writing. I mean, either letters or, or essays or so it's, I've always enjoyed that. So at some point I just started doing it and, um, and it, it went well. You know, the funny thing is, is that our family backgrounds are actually not that far off. I am second generation born in this country with a lot of my family that's from Austria and Germany, Germany primarily, right. and my grandfather's from Munich, and I ended up being born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, you in Cincinnati, so we were kind of right How there at the same time. Yeah, and well, I lived Ohio in Cincinnati. Ohio is yeah. a big German state, isn't it? I mean, there's just a lot a, of Germans that settled there. There are a lot of Germans that settled there, and I actually lived in Cincinnati for a little bit up in uh, in Butler County in Westchester in uh, that oh. area. So uh-huh. we were around there, but yeah, very familiar. When I saw that, I was like, "Wow, we kind of had the same couple little pat." And then you stayed a little bit more on the East Coast, and I went to the West Coast, but both of us kind of got right. out of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I've been gone for a long time now. And when I go yeah, back, it's, it feels a little like a foreign country to me. You know, that's exactly what my wife and I say when we go back. We're like, these are not our people anymore. Right. <laughs> I think I've been out for so long. I've, I've been in Los Angeles now for almost 12 years from there. Uh-huh. And it just, and I was back there not too long ago uh, in November. And it was like, it's just not the same at all that it used to be yeah. anymore. Ohio is much different. Yeah, well, I left 60 years ago, so it's a it really oh, you got like you got smart. Planet. Yeah, yeah, you were smart. Yeah, I was there through the 80s and the 90s, and then went to Minneapolis, then came back and went to LA. So yeah, so yeah, it yeah. Good. Well, it's an interesting. It was always an interesting city, and a, and culturally interesting too, and a kind of clash of. Uh, of the European sensibility with the Appalachian sensibility. That was always mm-hmm. sort of interesting. I mean, yeah, that for sure. There's a lot of history right in that area, just in that Ohio Valley area with all the clash of everything that goes on in there. I guess that's why they say 
Ohio's a good snapshot of what the country is when they talk about voting. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Now, my my co-host who's not on with me today, though, he did have a question he wanted to ask. He goes, he wanted me to ask you about on the internet. Nobody knows you are the dog cartoon. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> can you go a little bit? Can you just get into a little bit about like well, I, that? Sure. Um, I yeah, I did cartoons for the New Yorker for something like twenty five years. Uh, that was yeah my second career. That was the way I left teaching. I left teaching college by becoming an artist, a painter, and and also a cartoonist. And the cartooning was more successful than the painting. So that's that's where I concentrated and. In uh, the late, well, I guess it was the early 90s, I was, I was, I mean, I'd been cartooning already for 15 years when that, I did that. And um, I would every week do a batch of cartoons for the New Yorker and send them off and hope that they picked one from that batch. And, um, and, and when I did a batch, I tried to do 10 to 15 cartoons. If I came up a little short, I would draw a picture and then try to invent a caption for it. And uh, mm-hmm. one day I was a little short. One week I was a little short, and I drew a couple of dogs sitting by a computer. And then I had to invent a caption for it. And the first thing that popped into my mind was on the Internet, nobody knows your dog. And I, I sent it off thinking that was the weakest cartoon in the, in the batch. And um, the New Yorker bought it. And, and then... I, it became huge. I just I, I was completely surprised and still I'm a little dumbfounded by what happened. I mean, that cartoon is everywhere and uh, it's probably going to be my epitaph, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's how it came into being. It was just one of my bunch of cartoons I sent off and somehow it took on a life of its own. I mean, I mean they're hilarious. When you go through and I, when you go on your website, um, plsteiner.com, and you're able to go on there and see some of those cartoons, I mean they are just hilarious. I mean some of them are laugh out loud funny. Just, just oh really? Oh, laugh thank out loud you. funny. Oh, that's yeah, good. I mean some of these are just so laugh. I love the NBA one. Um, in six more weeks, these oh, NBAs these will NBAs be ready for, are for, ready for market. Ready for <laughs> yeah, market because yeah, yeah. I've worked with a bunch of MBAs, and I'm sitting there, and I go, you guys are the dumbest people I've, I think I've ever known. <laughs> like, you guys have, like, no sense of street. You can't even fill out a FedEx form. Like, what good, like, was that degree really for? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my, you know, cartooning is really a sub, sort of subversive occupation, and that what, was what really appealed to me about it, mm-hmm. kind of taking pot shots at the sort of general stupidity and yeah it's great it was great and i still do it i still do i do a weekly political cartoon for the little local paper and i put it on the on the blog on that website that's great it was because i'm a little kind of surprised because of your humor that you didn't that you did more of these hardcore thrillers were these kind of like your way to get away from that kind of humor and away from that kind of world you wanted to kind of do those kinds of things, which is why you kind of did these thrillers. Yeah, I, I think humor is a very peculiar thing, you know, and I'm, I'm, I can be very funny in drawing, but not in writing. 
somehow it doesn't come through in my writing. I have, I do. It's not that I don't have a sense of humor in the writing, but I'm not a humorist. You know, I read, I read humorists. I love, I love stuff that's written with, for for his humorous impact. But I, it's a different, it's a different form, and I, I suppose it's somehow psychological or. I, it's it's inexplicable to me, but I, w- I was drawn to something that well, I wanted to work on character, and that mm-hmm. that that doesn't mean you can't write humorously about character. There are wonderful character studies that are humorous, but no, I just I just was drawn in a different direction. So you kind of mentioned that there will be a book two in the Willie series here, but for fans of Lewis Morgan, what do you tell them about that series? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Well, in a way, I mean, it wasn't my choice to end it. You know, I think the the publisher didn't want to do any more, and no, not, no, did any, neither did any other publisher. It was just because the books didn't sell very well, and um, hmm. I, I, they got they got really terrific reviews, and they were nicely received, and people who read them liked them a lot, but they just didn't have a wide audience, and you know the book book business is money driven you know and so um i couldn't i had another book i mean there is a sixth lewis morgan book but nobody wanted it so i'm you know i'm an imagine i'm imagining and i don't know if this would ever happen but i'm imagining that if if the geismeyer series does well then maybe somebody will want to reissue the morgan books and include the sixth one that i guess that sort of thing has happened but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bank on it. Hmm. Well, so, I'll tell you, you know, Peter. I just, had to, go ahead. I just had to go in a different direction. That's all. I get you. So, where's the best place for everyone to find out about all of your stuff that's going on? Is it your website, PL Steiner? Well, that's a that's a pretty good spot. Yeah, plsteiner.com, and I guess if you go to Amazon or Goodreads or one of those places, you can find it. And if you Google mm-hmm. my name, I think there are a lot of Peter Steiners, it turns out. So you may get the guy who plays the trombone, or you may get another <laughs> book writer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the Internet, and everybody knows I'm a dog. Are you, are you active on any social medias with uh, your books and stuff like that for people to kind of interact with you? Do you do a lot of signings, go to any conferences and stuff? No, I, I, I'm not active on social media, and uh, I, I, I don't do any of those things. But if you, you, you can always write me from my website, and if I, mm-hmm. if I don't get too much mail, I try to respond. And so far, I haven't gotten much mail at all. So uh, I'm glad to hear from readers. I mean, and, and also uh, on Goodreads, you can always contact me too. Awesome. Well, but Peter, I, I want to no, thank you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 finish. No, I was just going to say I don't like the, I don't like Facebook and Twitter and that stuff. I, it's probably a matter of oh, my with age, you. but I just, I just think it's, uh, I don't like it. I, to me, there's just too much noise, um, and I pretty much just post some business things. I never post anything personal because, quite frankly, that's why it's personal. I don't need people to see my food. I don't need people to hear about my plow exactly. or my dog or and I. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't need. You know, I guess I don't need the likes, and I know that that's a big thing nowadays. Or people are addicted to likes, 
Um, yeah. They want to pray. I don't need so, no, yeah, I, I don't think I'm not on that. Yeah, I don't need likes. I need love. <laughs> <laughs> you need so, sales. Uh, <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Peter, hey, we want to thank you. I mean, so much for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about the book, The Good Cop. Uh, everyone go out there and grab it, especially historical fiction people. This is one that's right in your alley, uh, without a doubt. Spy historical fiction, it's got it all right there in The Good Cop. So make sure you check that out. And then check out the rest of the uh, Lewis Morgan series. you got five books out there, a lot of great reads. So we want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. That was a pleasure for me, John. Thank you for having me. All right. You have such a good day, and we will talk to you soon. All right? Good luck. Okay, good. Thank you. Bye. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.